you're tired of bad news, if you need some positivity, if you want to support small businesses, then welcome to Happy Grateful Blessed with Kaysville's own mayor, Tammy Tran. Here, you'll get to see the best of humanity from within Utah's hidden gem, Kaysville City. Every month, you'll discover small businesses, hear unique and incredible stories, and understand the difference you make in this wonderful city. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you'll never miss a chance to find a new business to support and learn what makes a city like this one work as well as it does. So join us as we explore Happy Grateful Blessed with Tammy Tran. I have the pleasure today of being with Dr. Dan Linford, Superintendent of the Davis School District. Thanks so much for being here. It is my pleasure, Mayor Tran. It's good to be with you. Thank you for making the time. Yeah, my pleasure. Lee, my husband, used to be your home teacher. Yeah. <laughs> years yep. and years ago. <laughs> Lovely. He's a good guy. He yeah. wanted to be here, so, oh. but, he, but he couldn't. That guy's so. going he to heaven high. for sure. He's he, an incredible, incredible guy. He totally is. He's, <laughs> he puts up with me, and <laughs> and he's he's a good guy. That's what they say about me and my wife. Uh, she's going to heaven. <laughs> she you is know, a sweetheart. Hopefully she can talk him into bringing me along. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, thanks for being here. I'm excited to be able to talk to you. You're a new superintendent. Yep. Is Davis School District the second largest? It is. Um, we are the second largest in the state. We're 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 a little we're we're a, we're becoming a more distant second because Alpine is such a large area and they have lots of room to grow. And of course, you know, maybe not enough people realize that Davis County is the smallest geographical county in the state, and we're the second biggest population um, as a school district, but. A, but yeah, we're a small county. We are a small county, and people always tell me that the reason people come to Davis County. It's because of the schools. Yep. I mean, that's what drew us here we, before we even had kids, and, and it's a great place to live. So I think it says a lot, the fact that we're the second largest. People want to live here. They want their kids educated here because we have such a great thing going. I think that's true. And I think, it, you know, it drives the market. It drives, it drives business. We have, you know, as large companies move into the state, that's critical for them uh, to bring in uh, expertise, to have... Uh, strong education systems and Davis. Of course, I think it's the best. But we've been a, you know, we've been an academic, I'm going to say, juggernaut for a long time, mm-hmm. um, and and that's based on a lot of really important, basic, you know, educational principles. But it's also based on having really great families, you know, to send kids ready to learn and have a, a bit of a vision for themselves. It's true. School has changed so much over the years since I was a little girl, and it's incredible now. There's so many options for kids. The Catalyst Center, which is in our backyard here in Caseville is outstanding. I, I'm just so excited to have such a great resource here. It is, and it's unique. You know, you'll have, m- most districts now will have some kind of a tech center. The Catalyst is so unique because of its uh, business-facing aspect that our our business partnerships there really drive it. And so, you know, of course we have, you know, your standard CTE-type pathways built in, and, and these are the things you have to teach and learn. But we also talk to industry, and industry sometimes sometimes tells us that's not what they need to know at all. They need to know this stuff. And so it's really driven by that entrepreneurial mindset, business partnerships, so they're doing real-world work. Yeah, and it's right here in Kaysville. Well, thank you for being here. As far as um, what people want to know, I've been asking people mm-hmm. as I've anticipated this opportunity to speak to you. And so I have a couple questions Great. that people are wanting to ask you. So the first in, the first question is, What's your life motto? What's your life theme? Oh, man. 
Um, I have a few. You know, I'm a quote guy. Um, and when I was a teacher, I used to say this to my students all the time. And then eventually they put quotes above our doors. And this is the quote above my door. And it came from a book um, called, I don't know if I'm going to plug a book, but The Adventures of a Reluctant Messiah by Richard Bach. And one, and there's this kind of book of truth in this book that this young budding Messiah is reading. And, and it's this quote that says, argue for your limitations. And sure enough, they're yours. And I'd always <laughs> That's be, fantastic. Are, I can't read this book or I can't write a 10 page or whatever it is. I would just say, argue that's, for your limitations and sure enough they're yours you'll win that argument every time don't make fantastic. that argument you know so that's been in the back of my head my whole life well and as a high school teacher that was probably pretty handy yeah it was you had those conversations you it started was. out as a high school teacher then yeah and then from there did you anticipate someday being a superintendent was that your <sighs> long-term master plan you know it really wasn't there was a point teaching english in the high school where, you know, and, and it was really probably driven by my children reaching a certain age where, oh man, I, I got to pay for soccer and piano lessons and all of these things. <laughs> it's expensive. And, and I really thought I need to either move out of education, which is the, the great conundrum of education, or I need to um, go into administration or something where I can work, more than anything, work year-round doing education. And um, so I jumped into the assistant principal spot fairly young. Some of my fellow teachers almost did an intervention with me trying to talk me out of it. You're going to wear a tie all the time. That sounds horrible. And, um, but you know, it was, it was, I wanted to stay as close to the kids as I could. And that was kind of my driving factor. Um, I'll tell you, I never thought as an assistant that I'd be a superintendent one day. I really? thought the idea of going to the district just sounded like nonsense, you know? Um, but you know, the, lo the longer you're in the system and you, you see where there are areas for improvement, the more you, you want to have influence over the improvement, which drives mm -hmm. you to the principalship and then drives you to, you know, I was the, the, the high school director, so directing our high schools, academic programs, but also the way we operate, the way we, the customer service part of it, and our customers really the student, um, and, and then the families as a secondary, but um, just driving the mindset of how we're going to treat people and how we're going to think about the customer. Even when a kid's being a turkey, you know, mm -hmm. you go, hey, they're still our kid. You know, that's still our student. Um, that, that, that idea is really what drove me, I think, to the district and to, to seeking higher points of leadership. And then kind of the rest just happened. The rest just happened. Yeah. I remember when you went back to school to get your PhD. Yeah. Being so impressed. You had a young family at the time and a full-time job and... A wonderful wife and and you were busy and you still did it yeah so well, it, it took a long time it did it took more i remember um when i when i completed my dissertation uh defending my dissertation and, and i went down to my car and i actually had two kids who were uh, my two oldest were serving missions at the time and i i went down to my car and started immediately started writing them a letter saying i'm so sorry for all those <laughs> all those hours i was you know on That's family cute. trips but not on family trips mm -hmm. i'm on my laptop in a corner and uh, yeah, you know, and I, I, I honestly, I sat in the, my car probably shook. I started just crying. I couldn't believe it was really? over, honestly. Oh, I bet and you're I, so I, relieved. All, all this, all this, all these memories of me not being with the family on these family trips kind of washed over me. But, um, but it's, it, you know, that, that said, it's been a blessing and my kids, you know, that's been a good example for them. Um, and they, you know, they see themselves as achieving a little more. I would never would have thought I would finish a, a PhD in that way. So. Really? Yeah, really. No. My friends in high school go, what? <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, now you're the superintendent. Yeah, yeah. That's so neat. I love to see and, and to hear about people's stories and, and how they got to become what they are now. Because it's interesting to find out what drives them and what motivates them. 
Yeah. People ask me all the time, and you basically just gave the answer. You know, they'll say, why, why in the world would you want to be the mayor? And it's not about power. It's about, like you said, the ability to influence uh, policy and to make great changes and to use your ideas and to, to collaborate with people. Yeah, and I think, and I, I would ask you the same question, Tammy. Like, why would you be the mayor? During, you know, this is such a an interesting political time in our history. I mean, th- there have been really interesting political times historically, but nothing quite like this with just such a, a crazy balance of, you know, of really voices. And it's hard to know what, which are the right voices because you hear the polar opposite mm-hmm. all the time, right? Um, one group th- feels one way, another group feels another way, and to be, and to, you know, have goodwill towards both groups is, is a challenge. It's a balance. And I think it's never been more difficult to be in politics. Now I'm not in politics. I get to watch, poli- you know, people well, in politics. But, but I mean, you're, you're in leadership. So yeah. y- you get to work with a lot of different people and different opinions. And you've got a lot of interesting things happening at the district level. So yeah. I think you understand probably better than most people. Well, there was a time um, a few years ago that I was applying to be a superintendent in a couple of districts, really just trying to, you know, see what it felt like, go through the process a little bit. Um, and I, I was a finalist in a couple of districts and, and, and I realized at that point it made me more nervous that I would, I might get the job than really? excited <laughs> that I might get the job. Um, but that was a few years ago over the last, over the last few years, I really thought, um, you know, I, I have something to contribute here and there are others that have something to, to contribute, but I look forward to the opportunity. And there's this, this voice in my head sometimes that says, uh, when I look at something, it'd be so much easier to not do this job. Mm-hmm. I have a great job. It'd be so much, I'm good at what I'm doing. It'd be easier to not be the soup. But there's that voice that tells you, and I'm sure you heard it too, don't shrink from this. Right. Yeah. You can do this. Rise up. It, it's true. It's true. And it's not, it doesn't come from a place of a, of having an ego. No. It comes from a place of truly wanting to serve, to yeah. feel like maybe you have something to offer. Yep. And, and, and I think you hit the you hit it on the head right there. That was perfect. Yeah. And in, in a role like this, I'm sure it's the same being a mayor of a, of a city like Kaysville. Um, you, it's humbling. It, it, you already go into these positions uh, just really, really nervous. There's that, um, there's that, you know, that syndrome where, where folks feel like they're, they're pretending or they're not They're Oh, I'm going to get discovered that I'm not as great as people right. think I am in this new, <laughs> That's true. in this new job. So I think most leaders, most, you know, go into these positions with humility anyway. And then when the weight of the position and, and the number of people that you are serving and trying to keep that mindset of service, it is really humbling. And man, the minute you, you have arrogance, you know, you're humbled. Mm -hmm. So yes. And that servant, that servant model of, of leadership is really, is really what the world expects today. I mean, that's, I don't know if you'd even have a choice if you were that kind of ego driven Mm -hmm. leader. We're, 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 we, our people expect service leadership. It's true. And if you are, people recognize that really quickly, if you're ego driven and, and they don't respect that or appreciate that. So Yep. It is very true. People, you know, as I was running for mayor, I, I did think about it. I thought, okay, the next four years, what's the world going to look like? <laughs> there are some crazy things going on politically and just with so much d- divisiveness and, and so much negativity. And and I thought, well, maybe what I can bring to it is sort of a, a sense of belonging and a sense of peace and a sense of collaboration. And so, yeah. So that's what I'm going to try to accomplish. You're known for this. In fact, I was reading some press releases when you were when they announced that they had chosen you because there was a very vigorous uh, interviewing process and vetting process. You were unanimously chosen. And 
it was mentioned several in several different articles that you bring collaboration and people really respect you because of your, of your ability to bring relationships and just really foster that and and make people feel valued well, I, and, and I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, w one of the staples of my, my leadership, if you can call it that, even as a, as a principal of high school, um, was that, um, I don't, I don't suffer from the, the thought that I have all the best ideas. I mean, I think I have all the best. I, I, I like <laughs> my ideas. I'm an idea person. I fall in love with, with big ideas. Um, but I also um, really know that there's incredible intelligence in the room. In fact, if I go into leadership as a superintendent and I say to my 300 principals, if I say the smartest person in the room, they will echo back is the room. You know, you can't, you can't, uh, you can never compete with all of the great minds around you. Um, and I'd learned that very quickly as a principal that, oh man, I've got a, I've got a building full of employees who all have degrees and who are all really bright and who mm -hmm. all do this for a living. I should maybe ask them what we should do more often and <laughs> just great. create a powerful decisions. You know, uh, it's probably harder in a city, um, to get everyone's opinion, you know, versus survey, but you can surround yourself, right. With even a team of rivals, a little bit, people that think about things differently than you. And, um, that's another part of that humbling part of the job when, when you realize, oh man, every, everyone kind of disagrees with my great idea and, <laughs> and, and you realize there's wisdom in the room. You might rethink that. I was talking to Larry who records the podcast for us and talking about that, you know, it is fun when everyone agrees with you because you can be really passionate. Yeah. But but the learning it comes when we don't have people that, that agree and we can have great conversations yeah. and we can l be respectful of their opinions and and realize that, you know, I'm a big idea person too. I like the big picture. I like to set, set ideas up and kind of watch things kind of go into motion, but it's not always the best idea. And so it's nice to be able to have the collaboration and the input from other people. 300 principals. I didn't realize yeah. that. Yeah. Well, you know, we have. That's uh, a lot of schools. We, do, we have 92 schools. And so when I say 300, I'm talking about the assistant principals mm -hmm. as well, but um, you know, that's a lot of building leaders and that then you, is. Add, you add to that, you know, uh, uh, several directors at the district level and so you got, you know, it's a lot of smart people that are also running, mm -hmm. they're running budgets that are bigger than, you know, some cities just individually. And you realize you're, uh, you're, you're surrounded by people that have ideas and it, and, and although it's easy to convince myself from, for me to, that I have this really a great idea. And I can, I, I'm a, I'm a pretty good convincer. I also learned that I can convince people that uh, you should, you should follow this. <laughs> That's a um, great quality. But, but honestly, I, I've, so sometimes it's a, a matter of self-conditioning to just say, I've got to trust people around me and get the ideas on the table. So we spend most of our leadership uh, time, our training, really getting ideas from them. Um, one of the things that if you could say is, a, is another staple is that this idea that, um, I tell them, and it's kind of a Simon Sinek uh, theme in a lot of the work that he does, but it's this idea that, you know, your job is to not make sure your people meet the deadline and your job is not to make sure that your people do exactly what you say. Your job is to make sure your people know how powerful they are and they know their own strengths and their own talents and what they can contribute. And that's really been our goal. That's great. Also a great reflection of your leadership that I've heard from other other students, other teachers. Um, I have the opportunity to serve on the foundation board mm, and yeah. it's great. I love going to the meetings. I love hearing, but I really love hearing about what you're doing so well. People are so impressed and just happy that you're there mm. and it's got to feel nice. I mean, you have a lot of responsibility and you, you came into this role at a very interesting time for Davis School District. So knowing what you were walking into because you were the 
acting superintendent, weren't you, for a little bit? Or um, well, I, I was I was the school director, okay. so I was in the superintendent's so, office, okay, working very closely working. with the superintendent. So you kind of knew what you were walking into. Uh, yeah. What are your goals then, moving forward? You know, so much, and that that is a great question because, and, and that kind of goes back to that earlier question: Why would you do this job? Exactly. It's, uh, you go. You, you got to be bananas to do this these kinds of jobs today. Um, we have, we do, we have big challenges and, and some things are, are culture shifts that we need to take, uh, very seriously. Um, and, and other things are just continuing to be, uh, you know, an incredible school district in a time when children have different needs than you and I had when we were in school. Um, you know, so, so say, different. Yeah. Well, and we, we talk about this a lot in education, you know, we're, we have parents that say, my my child is riddled with anxiety, and we have teachers that say, I don't know what to do. Kids are not ready to learn. You know, and when I was a, a teacher, we talk about, oh, you know, the kid that their girlfriend just dumped them. They're not going to learn anything from you. So we got we to gotta bring kids into the space for learning, prepare them for learning. Well, now it's not just, oh, my girlfriend dumped me. It's I have anxiety, and mm-hmm. I, it doesn't matter what you're doing. I'm in my brainstem, and I can't learn right now. Um, so just educating kids has changed. And then you add to that, you know, the political nature of our world and, and the, some of the divisiveness within, even within our own communities. Um, that, that is the challenge that I stepped into knowing that it, that it probably wasn't going to be much fun, you know, mm-hmm. that it probably wasn't, I wasn't going to go home most nights and think, well, that was a great day. You know, <laughs> I come home most nights and go, oh, wow, we got more to let, let me back to the drawing board, you know, mm-hmm. most of the time. Um, but I, I do think. Uh, the, the thing that kind of, you know, drove me to this is this idea that we can, we, it's not going to get better, but we can get better, you know, but we're, we're going to That's interesting. That's true. So I, I, you know, and I think everyone kind of has their time in leadership and there's a time for a certain kind of leader and, and that, and that will shift. And I think there'll be a time that I'll know that, okay, somebody else, somebody else needs to take this second, the second phase. Uh, My goal is really to get people out of their brainstem and that's such Mm -hmm. a weird goal but to really get people out into their cerebral cortex when they're thinking get quit worrying about things quit worrying about what's out there we've got children in front of us Mm -hmm. let's focus on that let make sure everything we do that's our filter and of course we've we our whole careers we always say that we always think children are in front of us but it's hard to put them in front of us when we're thinking about oh this legislative battle over here or Mm -hmm. or this group of parents are concerned about this and that group of parents are concerned about that and those are all important things, but let me worry about those things. Teachers, staff, That's focus fantastic. on the kids. Focus on the kids. So what are you doing to, to make that shift? Well, you know, one of the things we're doing is we're focusing on, well, there's actually a book called The Multiplier Effect by Liz Wiseman. Great book. And, um, she, you know, she actually has some local roots at BYU and, but, it, but definitely, I mean, we can't, we can't even afford to have her come speak to us. I mean, that's how, that's, <laughs> really? how, that's how big <laughs> that's of a how she is, is, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, but the multiplier effect is based on this idea that you can kind of, you can be a diminisher leader or you can be a multiplier and that, that diminisher leader and a lot of great, you know, historic leaders have been diminishers. I mean, there's no question you know, like Patton couldn't be everybody's buddy, you know, <laughs> exactly. So there's a time and a place for even diminisher leadership, but um, there's, it's, it's, it's a subtle difference too. like a, a diminisher creates a tense environment where everyone feels tension. A multiplier creates an intense environment, like a, like a basketball game. We're all mm-hmm. going to have to be at our very best to win this thing. It's intense, but we're also looking at each other going, we, we can, can do, do this. this. Yeah. And, and that is, well, it's easy to say and describe that dynamic. It comes back to a lot of work and it really comes back to, um, 
recognizing our employees' strengths mm-hmm. to recognizing what we call their genius and then to help them operate at their highest point of contribution based on that genius. Like, you're great at this. Um, you're the best at this. How do we make sure that that you're operating in that space the most and, and not being distracted by these other kinds of elements in, in your life and keeping people operating in their very best space? So we spent a lot of time training administrators on the, on the practicality of that. Um, and there's, you know, Liz Wiseman, she, there's this great chart. It's on page 19 of the book, if anybody picks it up. Um, <laughs> there's this great chart that lists uh, multipliers and diminishers. And at the bottom of diminishers, it, it, it says um, 40%. And at, the, and at the bottom of multipliers, it says 2.3 times. Um, and the idea is it's kind of a selfish philosophy, really. If you can get people believing in themselves and operating as um, in within their own genius, you can you can get two point three times the productivity out of them. And corporations are relying on this, so I'd like our school district to. On the flip side, if you're a diminisher leader, if you're always uh, picking, if you're always focusing on the negative, or even not even focusing on the meg- negative, never focusing on the positive, uh, being the slave driver, being the assuming your people aren't very smart and you need to be there to micromanage that, mm-hmm. you'll get 40% productivity. And there's good science behind that. Um, so it's a little bit selfish. I want to get 100% productivity, but I'd really love to get 2.3 times Absolutely. that. Um, and so, you know, it's selfish, but it's also when your people have it's joy. Empowering. Yeah. They're like, why not be happy and mm-hmm. at work? And also, if I was a business who would make me money, if yeah, I'm in education, it's going to help kids learn. Well, and, and it does also translate to opportunities because then people want to come here and the schools are full and people want to live in great school districts. And I I love that. I hope that Liz is listening and she'll donate (laughs) some time maybe to come and speak to the district. That would be great. At the very least, maybe she'll be on your podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Maybe. Well, I think that your leadership style is interesting and it's refreshing. Not that we haven't had great leaders in the past, but you kind of made the mention that we have leaders at a certain time and and they fill a need and then it's it's great when leaders can fulfill a need and then new leadership comes in and identifies a new need and magnifies you know what what they can do to make things better and i think that's what's happening here exactly it's really good you kind of talked a little bit about some books that you enjoy um and one of the other questions was who inspires you who inspired you to Get your PhD. Oh man! Further education. Become a superintendent. Well, you know, a, a couple things, and I'll I'll say, you know, first and foremost, and this is going to sound like pandering, and I don't know if she'll ever, but my wife inspires me. You know, I was I was a little bit of a punk kid, at, you know, Clearfield, and uh, no no sense at all. The people that know me, no sense at all. I would ever go to college. I was not going to college. There's really? no way. Um, it was never really mentioned in my home. It just was not something we were, we were doing, you know, we had a good family business and, um, and that, that is a good life. And, um, but it was really my wife who, you know, was always there, always kind of pushing, always saying, you could, you know, you could do these things. And, um, so I would say first and foremost, her, um, in, in education though, really it was students. I remember the first, my first year as a teacher, um, being with, um, in a car full of kids, I was a student body advisor and it was like, talk about a fish out of water. I mean, these were kids like I had never hung out with in my whole life and they were all had their lives together. And there were two kids in the back and they were arguing about these political science topics. And one of them was the OPEC nations. And I'm in the front thing. I don't even know for sure if I even know what the OPEC nations <laughs> are, <great. laughs> you know, like, and I just thought my students taught me what students could be. My, my personal children 
are better, are really who they are because of students who taught me what young people could be. Um, so really, that's, that, that's what's driven me, those, those young people. Seeing that potential and yeah. knowing that you could foster and encourage yeah. even greater potential. Oh, exactly. And then, and then you become really good at that. You become good at pulling that out of young mm -hmm. people. Um, and it just becomes your lens all the time that, oh, they can do more. And there, you know, some of your favorite teachers ever were your hardest ones that challenged you the most, right? True. And but also believed in us. Yes. You know? But they challenge you because they believe. I exactly. We were worth believing in. We were worth challenging. That's yeah. so true. There's also those mean teachers that were just mean all the time too. You remember those, but. <laughs> and, yes. You know. Yes. And, but they're not memorable, right? No, those, aren't no, the yeah. those aren't the teachers we talk about. Uh -huh. That's neat. Yeah. I think that as I look back over my childhood, it, it was the teachers that really identified something in me and made me see myself as becoming even better, smarter, more, more capable. Yeah. And, and that's what made the difference. I think education is incredible. Educators are incredible, especially after this COVID experience that we've all oh, lived yeah. through and endured. I think every parent thinks teachers should all get raises because yep. it's hard teaching your own kids. And they should. They should. They get should. You know, my wife is a second grade teacher. And talk about, and my eyes have been open to elementary teachers because I've been a secondary guy. And I think, oh man, how would it be to have a room full of 25 really adorable kids and not, <laughs> you know, 220 cranky teenagers. teenagers. And, but honestly, those teachers go to war. And our secondary teachers, of course, do as well. I mean, it, there's nothing like spending your entire Christmas break grading English papers or whatever. But those elementary teachers, my wife as a second grade teacher lays it on the line all day, every day and comes home, you know, with a headache going, oh man, I left it oh, all man. on the court today. And, See, that's so you know, you just got to be on it all day long with those elementary kids. Well, and you mentioned some of the challenges. I was talking to uh, Principal uh, Pickett from mm. uh, Windridge and she was telling me, and we had some of her students or her teachers with us and the counselor, and she was talking about how mental health is such a big problem and something that they're really being actively proactive in addressing and taking care of. And so I wanted to just give you a shout out for that. I appreciate that the school district makes it such a, such a priority. Well, and it's critical. And, and, and to a degree, you know, we, we, we were criticized for that. And there are folks that would say, you know, aren't you stepping outside of your, of, of your central duties as an, edu an educational institution? But Man, you have to you have to address it today. You you just have to. We we it can't be ignored any longer. It's it, certainly not if we're going to do our job of teaching kids. So no, I appreciate that you recognize that because it is. It's a challenge, and every kid comes with a little bit of that. Right, they do. I remember when my kids were little years ago, and they're in the, they're in their twenties. You'd talk to a counselor if you had a tummy ache or mm -hmm. or something like that. Yep. But now they're actually meeting with the counselor as groups. And okay. so they feel comfortable and they can go and, and get individual help when they need to. And it's just so neat to see the interaction and the relationship building. Yeah. Well, and I think there's maybe some misperception uh, about what that looks like. And, you know, nobody's laying on Freud's couch and exactly. telling you, tell us about your family. It's, right. a, it's about really triage. It's mm -hmm. about teaching us some skills to help you manage that. And it really is, it's a fascinating how well just a handful of skills really can change a student's life. It really can. Something else that I'm really impressed with is your, is it called Not Here, Not Ever? Yeah, no Can't, more not here. No more not yeah. here. Okay. I, I love that. I grew up down in uh, Utah County, mm. and I, I am Korean by birth. And my sister and I are both adopted, and we were the only two little girls in our school oh, wow. that were not Caucasian. So we got teased a ton. And 
what you're teaching now to kids, just to, to have a voice and to be able to say that's not okay, is so empowering. And I wish so much that we'd had that kind of support and that knowledge when I was a little girl. So I really appreciate what you're doing there. Well, I appreciate that. And I, you know, I started talking about that earlier and then kind of got off on a little bit of a tangent, but uh, th that will be central to what we do. Um, you know, Davis County uh, is an amazing place to live and people choose to live in Davis County for a reason. It's a great place to live where, you know, friendly neighbors that wave from neatly mm -hmm. mowed lawns and all, you know, just all the people just are good, you know, good people. Um, but there's no question at all that, um, we, we can do better and we have to do better in terms of exactly what you, you just talked about. We have to make sure, especially those who already carry that on their sleeve that I, I feel different here. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I need the, I need to, I want this place to feel like my school and my home, but I don't quite. And then when, when a student or a teacher or a principal or a superintendent says something, uh, it from it runs the gamut from something just terrible to something just without much thought um it just adds to that and you know if i know something about the heart and soul of this county it's that we don't want we don't want our young people to feel that way You're absolutely ever right. ever right so and i want i want to i, I want to position our district to a point where no one would dare say that or accuse us of being deliberately indifferent about those situations so we have some, some incredible work we've done and some important work that we'll continue to do. Well, and it's a continuation. It's yeah. a continual process. And it starts in the homes, I believe, yeah. and it starts with parents, and it is reinforced at school. And so I am really happy to see um, that you're working so hard at that. Oh, thank you. We have a great district, and I'm so grateful that my kids were able to go through the Davis School District. They went to Davis High, went to Windridge, oh. went to junior high here, and it's just a fantastic thing. So thank you for leading. Thank you for being willing to uh, step up and do that. It's a hard job, and it's a big job. Well, thank you, Tammy. And, I'm, and you know, and it's, uh, Kaysville is a great place to live. You know, I've, I've been here for, gosh, what, 23 years now, and um, but it's people like you and leadership like you that keep it that way. So thank you. Thank well, thank you. you. I'm grateful for the opportunity, as I know you are. Yep. To all my podcast listeners, thank you for listening. I really appreciate your feedback and your support. Please leave comments and please leave suggestions for future guests. And most importantly, subscribe. Thank you.